Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So we've gotten some very interesting news over the past couple of weeks regarding Magic's IP and the potential crossover of other IPs into Magic the Gathering. So there's a lot to talk about, a lot of implications of this announcement. Before we get into it, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commandertheory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. All right, with that, why don't you tell us what we found out in this Universes Beyond announcement? Yes, so this was a pretty big announcement. I guess the first thing to note is that they announced kind of a subsection of Wizards called Universes Beyond, where they're going to be creating magic cards like magic the gathering cards with the ips from well with other ips on them basically so so the two that they announced is they said that there's going to be a lord of the rings and a warhammer 40k crossover universes beyond yeah crossover so lord of the rings is getting a full expansion a full set probably draftable all that stuff and warhammer 40k is getting commander decks uh, I think just two, right? That was what they said. Uh, we don't know how many. Mm. I'm guessing it's going to be two. It sounds like they are less confident in the the Warhammer crossover, but we'll get into that in a second. Yeah, 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 definitely. This has a ton of implications. The the big one, uh, just a little more info that they gave out. There was a Q&A session following the event, and they said that the Warhammer 40k crossover product will release in 2022. It's definitely not near on the horizon. Exactly. We don't have a release date for the Lord of the Rings expansion. My guess, I think Nick's guess, the the, the internet's collective guess is that this was a very new idea. They probably got okayed and started working on Lord of the Rings and the 40k sets like now, basically. Yeah. <laughs> they probably got the okay and now that it's in production. Yeah, I'm getting the impression that basically like they saw the numbers from uh, Walking Dead Secret Lair, which was the best selling Secret Lair up to that point, and then immediately started looking at their options for crossovers and, and drawn up contracts. Uh, and, and that's kind of what led to this announcement. So really, there's there's only been a couple months in between like the very germ of this idea and the announcement to the public is my guess. Yeah, and, and they've been teasing this a little bit with the like Godzilla crossover uh, that was a, an experiment they tried that I, I think went well. I, I don't know what the numbers or like what mm-hmm. like audience feedback has been on that. But my, my perception is that like, you know, the community was very happy about it. Everyone seems to think that that's a totally acceptable way to introduce other IPs in Magic. Yeah. Walking Dead was definitely a lot more controversial. Um, there are a lot of people upset about it. I mean, definitely a lot of anger over the distribution mo- model, which was really I think the consensus was that it was predatory. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think it is reasonable to say that it was. <laughs> I, I think that it was very much just trying to get as much as they could in the moment. Yeah, but even beyond like that anger over the, the way it was distributed, there were definitely some some loud voices who were feeling that like this isn't magic. There's there's no guns in magic that like. Well, The Walking Dead is like sort of contemporary 
America, yeah. totally different type of story than the magic IP. Yeah, Lucille, the the card from you could purchase in the Walking Dead Secret Lair. It's like a bat one of the characters uses to beat zombies with. In the art on the card, it's leaning against a car, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's like I could I could see complaints about flavor and story that way for sure. A couple more things from the announcement. They made it very clear that this product line, uh, this universe is beyond product line is going to be separate from the normal magic releases. It's not going to like take a slot uh, that would otherwise go to a magic IP set. And also these cards are going to be distinguishable from magic cards. I think they're going to have the same backs, but what distinguishes them is like, like the walking dead, they are going to have a differently shaped holofoil stamp at the bottom of the card. So you're going to be able to tell if a card is from outside the magic universe or, or magic multiverse. Yeah, especially, I mean, more so than just your like Gandalf the Grey commander, you know, he's going to, there There will be signifiers on the actual border of the card that will help to distinguish the cards. It's not just going to look like Alrund, but you're going to have to guess like, oh, well, what set did Frodo come out in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't have to like know the IP through and through. Like yes. if they print a card for an obscure character, there's there's no going to be no confusion that this is from the Lord of the Rings based on like the frame and the type of stamp used. Yeah, exactly. Like if the something that is fairly popular in nerd circles is like the Brandon Sanderson novels. Let's say they do a Mistborn like set or commander deck. Not everyone is going to know who those characters are. So like let's say they have like a, a character from that novel that maybe not everyone is familiar with you'd still be able to know you'd still be like oh wait this came from somewhere else Mm -hmm. so i think that that is a good thing for them to do these are legal in eternal formats they're not going to be in modern or standard or anything like that yeah and i think it's safe to say that based on how the rules committee treated the walking dead secret layer these are going to be legal in commander as well most likely and let's let's sort of touch on i think one take i heard uh it was by richard on the mtg goldfish podcast that like i I thought was really insightful is regardless of what wizard says about the intent of this product line you know that how they plan to keep it distinct and how it's not going to disrupt the normal release schedule if the lord of the rings set if it outsells the like whatever standard magic release is in stores at the time then wizards is definitely going to have a shift in priorities like they are a business yeah. and they have to respond to the market so it it is possible that this decision is going to lead to a future where the magic ip is like a minority of the releases of magic product that wizards is putting out yeah yeah that is a universe that we we could exist in so it really is going to depend like if the Lord of the Rings set is like sold in targets and Walmarts and it just like flies off the shelves and all this stuff, then it's not hard to imagine that they're going to funnel a lot more energy, R&D design focus, all that kind of stuff into these IP releases, these separate IPs. That being said, I want to address a criticism that I've been seeing online in regards to like separate IPs and magic. Mm -hmm. 
specifically like that they don't work and stuff like that to me like this is something that i know nick feels the same way magic like the game system is able to handle a lot these cards that we play with they could just say numbers like it could be like blue uncommon three five mana instant draw three cards Mm -hmm. like no flavor at all and i'd still have a good time playing this game and just because these new IPs might not be strictly fantasy, I don't think that that is bad for the game as a whole. And I think that there's some things that'll be really cool within the magic system that they could do within this new kind of branching out of IPs that just isn't possible now. And I want to take a step back and really kind of calm down and go, hmm, well, what does this mean? They're going to do this. Like this is this is something. This is the world we live in now. Magic is going to have new IPs. So, like, what does it mean? What's the benefit of it? All that kind of stuff. And I, I just want to step back and say, the system can handle mm-hmm. <laughs> having a different like reskin, so to say. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think it's a positive thing to bring more people into Magic. There yeah. are tons of people who, I mean, I'm sure there's tons of Warhammer players who maybe haven't picked up magic or haven't played it in a long time Yeah, that this could bring into the fold and sort of get more people in the community. And then of course, you know, Lord of the Rings, super successful franchise. This will certainly bring more people into the game. And so I think that of course, bringing more players into the game means, you know, more resources for magic. It's, it's better for the players, uh, more people to play with. There's just a lot of positives to come out of this. And in terms of like the displacement of magic IP or the the dilution of magic IP, the fact that like your Edric or whatever is going to have to be across the table from like some legendary space Marine or uh, <laughs> Samwise Gamgee. Yeah. I'm like, I I'm totally feel the same way as you. I don't fully care if it's just numbers on a totally otherwise white piece of cardboard. And, and of course, like there are, people who maybe aren't into fantasy that might be pulled in by another genre that universes beyond could explore. Yeah. They're, yeah. Like I personally, like I'm not crazy about fantasy. There's other genres that I appreciate a lot more. And like, for example, Warhammer 40 K I've always thought the lore was really cool, but you're never going to get me wasting hours painting models so this is a way for me to enjoy this lore that is really interesting and this genre that I like a bit more than fantasy in the context of a game system that I think is fantastic and, and one of the best games out there. Yeah, because I think that's really the the point for me is that I just think Magic is one of the best games, period. Like it's probably just one of the best games to have ever been created just full stop the fact that it gets the attention that it gets in regards to time effort and money from r&d and wizards is incredible the fact that this game is pretty much ever-changing they're always adding to it and it can be so many things or so many formats that's just kind of a testament to how strong the system is how good r&d have been over the years and obviously i think there's been mistakes that we can all like see that and talk about that and i think we should and i think we should bring them up but the idea that this is going to like somehow be this disastrous like the final nail in the coffin for magic i i hate to break it to everybody but we we've already gotten some some heavy blows and uh people are are still 
buying cards. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think even more so than sitting across from, like you said, a Samwise Ganji or uh, a Garfield the Cat mm-hmm. commander <laughs> deck or something like that. Something that is more, I wouldn't say troubling, but more uh, surprising, shocking. We've already kind of surpassed, and that is in regards to the secret layer drops and the drastic differences in appearance of like the card borders, the card arts. I recently received the metal kill spell secret layer and I was Mm -hmm. looking at the cards and I was thinking, man, like this looks so cool. And then I like sleeved it up in one of my decks and went, this doesn't, this doesn't look like a magic. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, like, yeah, this assassin's trophy like looks awesome, but it doesn't look like a magic card and there's still they're still making secret layers. They're not going to stop that. It's been super successful for them. Yeah. So One, if that's not going to stop me from playing, I don't think sitting across from a Bobby Hill commander deck is going to make me <laughs> stop, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Like one of the things to come out of this investor event that that released all this information was that Wizards had its most profitable year ever in 2020 and yep. made nine hundred million dollars. So clearly, like the direction that Chris Cox has set for them, where they are, you know, doing these secret layer drop releases, um, where they have a more packed release schedule, all of that is has been rewarded in the market. And so it's likely to continue. Yeah. And honestly, one good thing about to come out of this universe is beyond is, you know, if they want to keep up this pace of releases, it's a huge burden on wizards creative and if they're able to rely on other ips and not have to like constantly be designing worlds all the time year round Mm -hmm. certainly makes things easier for them yeah that's totally true although like i'm generally in favor of the introduction of other ips into magic and i don't feel like it you know dilutes dilutes the experience for anyone else well okay Mm. okay I, i shouldn't say that definitely doesn't dilute the experience for me but one thing i want to say is if we we get this future where Lord of the Rings expansion is wildly successful and Wizards doubles down on other IPs in Magic and maybe even diverts resources away from Magic IP, Wizards has control over its IP. And they have different priorities from how they want to use that IP. For example, Wizards has put a lot of emphasis on diversity showing you know people of all races and ethnicities and gender identities and sexualities that's been really a priority for wizards in its ip but if you hear like the reputation for games workshop for example um (laughs) how it sounds like the pretty much all the human characters are white like the the vast majority of the art depicts white people like diversity is not really a, a priority for them yeah and so if we're squeezing out magic's ip in favor of these other ips that don't have the same values that wizards has that could be a detriment because you know we just saw uh, a non-binary planeswalker in nico eris coming out in kaldheim and if most of the release calendar is taken up by ips that don't value diversity then the people who play the game it's going to be harder for them to see themselves represented in it yeah yeah I, I think that's true. And also, I, I want to stress that at this point in two, four years, 
this could change. So I, I could see in six years, we've gotten the first few universes beyond sets. Things have gone into the mix. In general, if you look at the amount of releases for regular magic compared to what the universes beyond is doing or and probably will do for the first few years of its existence, it's it's just going to be such a middling amount. I can hope we, we can cross our fingers, you know, that they're not going to put like a um, fierce guardianship cycle in the space marine precon. <laughs> but if you look at just numbers wise, like the, let's say there's two 40k commander decks coming out in 2022 compared to what the four standard releases commander decks at least two for each of those sets a full four to five commander decks for the commander set tied to one of the planes that year supplemental products like the remastered sets like time spiral remastered modern masters if we get more of those or whatever masters a cool funny draft set maybe another unset you know like there's so many supplemental products and magic releases and decks and event decks and commander decks like that just come out in a year on top of all the secret layers and whatnot that having one or two universes beyond sets in the mix, it's going to take a really long time to like dilute the magic pool. You know, like I understand that I, <laughs> I made a joke earlier about a Bobby Hill commander to me. That's funny to me. That doesn't take me out of the game. Someone listened to that and their blood is boiling and they are upset because that's the, like that actually might make them quit magic. And I, I, I do understand that. It, it kind of comes down to there's going to be this small amount of cards coming out, this small amount of, of separate IP for Magic coming out. And some of it's going to be cool. It seems like, for the most part, they're picking IPs that gel fairly well with Magic mechanics, Magic cards, and things like that. I, I doubt we're going to get a John Arbuckle commander <laughs> <laughs> in, in any reasonable time frame. You know, maybe 20 years from now, if Magic is still around. But I'm just mostly bringing it up as a joke because... Magic isn't really going to change. Like, I'm not going to take apart my like Jared Golgari Lichlord list because the Tyranid deck is like way cooler. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it the this is only going to be a small new part of Magic. It's going to be a very small percentage. It's not going to push out so many of the cards that you care about that you like. And I really want people to like really calmly examine what this means for the future because. This is the future. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the future. We can't do anything about it other than not purchase it. They're going to give it a shot. They're going to see how it goes. And I'm not upset with it. But if you are, have a level head about it. Complain to the people who need to hear it. And just don't rage at randoms on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, I think, keeping the perspective is really important in this. And I understand that there are things to be mad about. But we don't, we don't have a lot of those currently, you know. I will say, um, and, and I might be getting a little bit controversial here in a second. I know that people are worried about like the integrity of the Magic IP, like the Magic system should be tied to Magic IP, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But even if you don't like the Lord of the Rings, even if you don't like Warhammer 40k, I think that there is some IP for you that yeah. will make you open up your wallet in with enthusiasm. I think that for the vast majority of people, like there's got to be some IP that is really exciting that you love more than the magic IP. Because while you know, I I will totally 
give props to the high points in the magic IP. You know, their romance in the Ixalan storyline oh. was really touching. And Ken Troop um, has written some actually like really excellent cosmic horror in, for example, like the Tazri focused story from the Battle for oh, Zendikar yeah. block mm-hmm. or uh, the promised end, the the finale of the Eldritch Moon storyline. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, there's been some some definite high points in like magic story and the the use of the magic IP. But there's also been some incredibly low points <laughs> like the Ooh. like the Greg Weissman novels yeah. where you just like feel embarrassed to be to have like purchased that book and you give it away yeah. to your co-host at the earliest opportunity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you want that back by the way? No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> um, but, but like, I, I, I think that like the magic IP is at times very good. It serves the purpose of a card game, but it's not the best. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be things that like have better storyline, better lore that maybe even fit the magic rule system better. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, experiments like this can only be a good thing. Yeah. Um, and we are, I think, just going to see more stuff like this in the future. I, I think I, I know now that Universes Beyond has been announced, it probably makes things like the Godzilla reskins less likely. but it doesn't make them completely off the table, you know, like mm-hmm. I think crossovers is something that magic is going to do just from now on, just because it does bring in people. And, and that I think is the point that makes me kind of maintain my demeanor about it all. I love magic. I love the people that it's brought into my life. I love what it's done for for like me personally, I like that it gives me something to think about on like bad days and like a thing to look forward to during the week. It's it's like become such a big part of my life. And if you're listening to this, it's probably a really big part of your life too. And anytime that new players have been able to join into the game or play with me or I've been able to teach people things, that's always just been a net benefit. And ever since Innistrad, like when there's this boom of players and the player base has been growing ever since then magic has pretty much just with with some low points and stuff in there as more players have gotten in like just all the limited sets have been like incredible and incredibly fun to draft and they've been able to pour more resources in it and and print things like last year like commander legends which was just like amazing and new players can only kind of be a net benefit to wizards because then they are given more resources to provide more to us as the players and i think we are incredibly lucky in a lot of ways that Wizards has been so receptive to player demands and asks and and uh, feedback because there are some companies that just don't do that. And I think we are really lucky that Wizards, uh, at least the people making the cards, does care about representation and the creative does care about like showing off these characters and making sure the community feels like seen and heard and can see themselves in that the IP that they're playing. So... I just don't think it's likely that they're going to throw all of that out the window because Lord of the Rings sells well. What I think is more likely is that Lord of the Rings sells well and then they kind of continue this trend. Magic keeps getting the money it makes. Wizards keeps making the money it makes. And we're just going to get more, you know, like maybe they hire some more people to work on the universes beyond and keep the sets going. And um, I think the 
the nightmare scenario of like really problematic <laughs> IPs in a universes beyond release is not as likely as some people might think. And I say this on the heels of like, we don't know if there's a Harry Potter crossover <laughs> on Strixhaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I just think bringing in new players is going to be good. I don't think how they're doing it is going to hurt in the way that a lot of people think it is. I think, I think we've already jumped past that point is really what I'm saying. If you're still playing now after everything the magic community has been through, then I, I don't know if a Space Marine deck is going to make you quit, you know? Yeah. And one last thing I want to say, and this is unconfirmed. This is, I heard this uh, secondhand from Saffron Olive, but supposedly at the investor event, there was talk of basically other original Wizards IPs using the magic rule system. Yes. And that way magic could uh, potentially explore genres that people are interested in, but maybe which don't fully fit within Magic's aesthetic and and the IP it's built up. So for example, I know that uh, the response to Eldritch Moon, and this is according to Mark Rosewater, but the response to Eldritch Moon was that it was like a little too gross. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, it was just really grim. Uh, there were just like tentacles everywhere, like body horror to like 10 out of 10 and personally like that is for me that's perfect i would have every set have the tone of eldritch moon if i could um (laughs) but that's apparently not what the majority of magic players want but if they could do another ip using the magic rule set that is more horror focused and can touch on these themes more often than like the once every 10 year trip to innistrad that would be awesome. That would be like the perfect product for me. And so much of the money I spend on magic would be diverted to that thing because I would really want to support that. So that's another exciting thing. And that way, like if Wizards is willing to experiment with there and maybe find success with those IPs, then they can sort of capture that interest in these other genres while still like, you know, promoting their values and like having diverse casts of characters and things like that. Yeah. So it's kind of a lot to take in. Can we talk about also, this comes on the heels of kind of a a shift in the structure of Hasbro too. Mm. Um, oh, yes. So Hasbro, sh- okay, you might have to correct me again. Hasbro shifted Wizards from being just a subsidiary of Hasbro to being like a division of Hasbro yes. or something like that, right? And and just to put that in some context, it's not like there are a ton of divisions within Hasbro already. Yeah. Prior to this, there was a division that was just for domestic products and then a division that was for international products. So like, as you can see, like the scale of division, division means something something very large scale at Hasbro. So to give it's now like Wizards and Digital is the division. So Wizards is, is being rolled into like more investment in digital products. So I assume that also means like licensed, you know, uh xbox or or playstation like transformers games or whatever yeah Yeah, exactly but still like to put it in a place of such prominence within the organization shows that they have a lot of confidence in wizards it might mean more resources for wizards now that they are at such a high level within the company Um, yeah but it could also mean a more direct relationship i think between shareholders and 
how Wizards is run. And, and yes, Mark Rosewater said, like, it's not going to change how magic is made. But I mean, I, yeah, I'm a little skeptical of that statement. Yeah, I, I think like immediately as we're going to see, it's not going to affect it. But I think long term, this is something to look out for. So in the same way that like right now, we're only getting one set from Universes Beyond and one commander deck and or one set of commander decks or whatever. And they're going to announce more as time goes on. I think this is something also to look at and say, well, okay, so now we know this is the case. Now we know that there might be a little bit more shareholder input directly into Wizards development of the game and the cards and what products they put out. So this year, probably going to be business as normal, you know, probably just going to be cruising having a good time some new releases Strixhaven comes out look well, at that two well, Innistrads business but, as normal might is still like I mean I mean like 2020 was a very different year from 2019 oh yeah that's true so, so like, I mean business as normal is different than it used to be that's for sure yeah yeah but I think this is when we can see it, it let's say next year things get a little more predatory and we kind of learn a little bit more about the investment side yeah my that there might be a pretty direct relationship there you know yeah i mean like chris cox when he started as ceo of wizards he came in with this goal of doubling profits in five years and (laughs) you know i I don't know the exact numbers but if they had their most profitable year ever last year and made 900 million dollars then i assume that his bet that like more money could be extracted out of wizards was correct and so I think that like the the top down decisions we've seen since Chris Cox started as CEO, we're going to see more of that in the future for sure. Yes, we'll see. We'll see what that means for for literally every part of magic, the story, creative set release, secret layers, mm-hmm. commander decks, whatever. They They kind of know a lot more than they used to about the player base and never before has there been a format that has been synonymous with casual play until commander came around. So now that they know commander is kind of, if you play casually, you probably play commander that that's also a very important like point for them and a selling point for them. <laughs> who knows <laughs> what's what, who knows what that means? I don't know what they're going to do after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's the big announcement. Can I say this? I don't know if, if you even want, we can edit this out too. Sure. We, we, had recorded this episode basically earlier, a different version of this episode, but it got uh, it got poo pooed on by some technical difficulties. So we're taking a, a much calmer look, a little bit further back from the announcement. Uh, we think it's still relevant to talk about, which is why we're releasing this episode. And we think that, kind of with a calmer, more level head, we can kind of examine what all of this means. Maybe kind of synthesize some data from other places in the community that people have been talking about and kind of bring it to your attention. So that's that's why we're releasing this now. It's, yeah. it's still, I think, very relevant. And I think there's still points that we wanted to bring up for you as a listener, you as the consumer to to think about in the future. But for now, we it's there's a lot of stuff in the air. We don't know what yeah. what's going to happen. I mean, given we're at least a year off from the very first Universes Beyond release, I think the content of this episode has not been proven wrong yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's okay. But 
Is there anything else you want to say before we end this episode? I, I've been trying to think about like how to address the 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 flavor problem a little bit more tactfully, and I I, I think that's just one thing where there's going to be a lot of disagreement. There's going to be game stores that do Commander Knights, and they're going to say no Lord of the Rings, you know. And I really want people to maybe take a step back and just kind of realize that we already have elephants with five swords attacking mm-hmm. like the player to your left because a demon said he had to, you know, like there's already a lot of flavor breaks within magic, uh, just within the normal IP. I could give an animated cookie, um, <laughs> like, a, a evil, like necrotic piece of metal that if it hits you, you lose half of your life. And, that for some reason is less egregious than Gandalf like summoning eagles or something. And uh, so I just want to put into perspective that this isn't the end of the world. If you are feeling kind of negative about this, I don't think the fact that new IPs entering magic makes magic less consistent. Magic's already super goofy. Think about playing commander and you have a thousand year storm out and you're going off and like all this stuff like what does that even what does that mean (laughs) like what does it mean to have a bunch of lightning bolt copies on the stack like that on its own is such a weird out there concept that is just part of the game mechanics like like there there's already disconnects between flavor what you're doing what the cards say stuff like that and and then what happens in a game uh, when humility comes down and all of a sudden all the cards are like toys and then like you still give a toy a sword and then you're not sure what's going like you know like magic just does that yeah i think that unless you are building a deck like a theme deck like oh this is my this is my garfield and friends deck and yeah. every card in it corresponds to something from that illustrious comic strip by the <laughs> by the multi-talented jim davis yeah um <laughs> Then outside of like those scenarios, I I think that people really kind of tend to shorthand cards just to like what they actually do and just have like mental models where it's just kind of the the text on white background way of viewing cards. Yeah. So I I just want people to be aware you can already like like give your zombie like magical wings and a cool scepter and it could go and beat someone up in regular magic so the fact that there's going to be these new ips isn't the part of this that concerns me i understand still that this still might be a sticking point for people but i I really do want to say that what i'm worried about in regards to universes beyond isn't that there's new ips isn't that wizards is going to be making new cards in a separate branch or any any of that stuff like Wizards is good at making cards. What worries me is that they are going to pump up the power level in some of these cards to sell them. That's that's the part that I'm worried about. I'm hoping that they can just let it ride on like making cool Lord of the Rings cards, making resonant 40k cards, and that's what sells the set because I think that's all you really need. Like if I like uh, 40k. And I like like orcs. I love space orcs. And they print a really cool like space orc 40k commander deck. I might pick that up regardless of really like as as long as it's not just a complete piece of garbage. 
as a commander deck, like I might just pick that up because it's cool and fun and I like the IP. Yeah, I think that the they really hit at a, a good power level for the Walking Dead secret layer. Yes. Um, I think that all of those cards like will do something in a game of magic and you won't feel too foolish for yes. for, for, for running yeah. them. So I hope that they would like kind of hit at that level where definitely not a format staple, but it does something fun in magic. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my hope. So that that my biggest worry in regards to universes beyond isn't that it exists, isn't the new IPs, it isn't isn't any of that stuff. It's specifically I just don't want them to worry about sales and kind of force through a card that wouldn't be printed in a normal magic set or a normal commander set anymore specifically because it's it's just juiced and they want they know that people will buy the set for that card mm-hmm. or something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> I think hopefully they're learning. Hopefully they're seeing. I think like Time Spiral Remastered, regardless of like availability and stuff like that, is a really good set and a really good way to get reprints and cool things into the world. Hopefully they see that. Hopefully they see how well this has been selling and how much interest there is in something like that. And a model like this where you can release these reprints and release these powerful cards and not have to screw up a product because you put in a true name nemesis or a fierce guardianship or something like that. So that's my hope and fear Mm -hmm. (laughs) in regards to universes beyond. So I don't know if you want to, if you have anything else to add in that regard. Uh, No, that's all. But I think this has been uh, a very interesting couple of weeks. Um, Yes. And I cannot wait to see the the fruits of some of these bits of information that we've gotten. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it's going to be, I think, a while. But my guess is that they're going to send us like teaser cards maybe a year out at like six months out, you know, just to like be like, hey, just a reminder, you can get your hands on these. Yeah. Ooh. So we'll see. Yeah. What the future holds. All right. Well, with that, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Eamon, Addison, Mason, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Charlotte, The White Glaze, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Jason, Kyle, Brandon, Kydell, Jeremy, Russell, Troy, Dylan, Walter, Leo, Ian, John, John, Tom, and Kevin. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you are not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.